Good morning, and uh, I would like to continue today. Uh, remember, I'm not sure if I mentioned it last time, a three-part series on 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Faith, hope, and love, and today I would like to speak about love. So now, faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. And it's one of these subjects that the more you look into it, first of all, you feel unworthy to even talk about it. And the, you, you find out the vastness of, of the love of God. It knows no boundaries. It knows no end. It's, it's just... Um, you can go I don't know, all over the place and, and you find the evidence of the love of God. But, of course, the condition on it is our reaction to it. So I like to talk about that this morning, but before again, I would like to pray. Why don't we stand this morning before the Lord? Father in heaven, we are grateful and we are thankful for this opportunity we have this day of coming together, remembering our risen Savior, remembering and talk about the love about you, O Lord God. We pray, Lord, we can take these words, these truths, and apply them to our lives. We pray that we can examine our lives. We pray that we can examine to see if the love of Christ is moving in our hearts. If we, if we love you, Lord, and if we love our neighbors as, our, as ourselves. Lord, we pray that you can speak to us this morning. We pray that you can remind us of who you are and of your plan, of your love. We pray for your presence here with us this morning. Lord, that your presence may fill this room. We pray, Lord, even if the enemy comes to seek, to destroy that which is good, we pray, O oh Lord God, that you would protect us. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you move in our hearts and draw us ever closer to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, for me... I have concluded that these three attributes, faith, hope, and love, they are foundational and they have to be present in a believer's life. If you, if you meditate on that and you think about it and you try to put one of them out of a believer's life or just out of your life, I don't think there's, there's any Christianity there. God is love. Without faith it is impossible to please him. He gives us hope. Which we possess because we believe in him. So how can you take one of these three. And, and remove them from our lives. And say we are a healthy believer. Paul said, 
they abide. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. These three. So let's do a short summary of the first two. Uh, let's start with faith. So if you remember um, some of the main points, I would like to present again the point that I, the four point layout that I have on faith, which I believe starts <clears throat> with having a need or being deprived of, of God or of godliness. We, when we are without Christ, there is a need there. There is a, there is a void there. And when we know there's something wrong, and then we encounter, we see, we, we get something from the Word of God, or we hear it by preaching of the Word, and we get a foretaste of the truth. It's being presented to us. And then number three, then there is the believing of the presented evidence. There is, we, we, we believe of what has been given to us. And then finally, there's a reaction to that revelation or commandment that has presented to us through the various ways from God. And we respond because we trust and believe. So you can see from, from having nothing to having a void, we, we get the truth, we receive the truth, and then we believe, and then we react. And we love to add that verse in James 2, 17, 17, Even so, faith, if it had not works, is dead, being alone. So this is why I like to look at faith as, as being a complete picture. It is not just a mental aspiration. It is reacting. To what God has given us. And once that this pattern has started, when we come to Christ, I believe strongly it will repeat itself throughout our life as we serve Christ. Again, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And then we have hope. Hope is the assurance we have for serving Christ. Peter calls it a lively hope because we believe His promises, they become real thereby demonstrating a hope that is not seen in the world. However, unless we seriously see Christ to be part of our lives, there will be no hope to demonstrate. Hope is what we possess because we choose to walk by faith and pursue Christ in His kingdom. It leaves us with joy and standing on promises that are evident for people to see and notice. That's why Peter said to every man that asked it, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, in 1 Peter 3.15. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. It's visible, clear, that a person um, separates himself from the world and pursues holiness. Such person will demonstrate a hope that is desirable to have. So, Peter calls it a lively hope. In 1 Peter 1, 3, And he said, Blessed be the hope and Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy, had begotten us again unto a lively hope. He had begotten us to an abundant mercy. To His abundant mercy had begotten us into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. <clears throat> so, 
I believe faith, hope, and love are not empty claims that we try to possess because we go by the name Christian. All three are a result of an obedience, love-filled relationship with Christ. If we are poor witnesses of Christ, it's because we're not pursuing Christ. If we are good witness, it's because we love and obey and serve him. And I believe every believer is a witness. Faith is because we believe and react to his commandments, the faithful. Hope is what we have because we were obedient. And love is the result of having Christ on the throne in our lives. Love is the result of having Christ on the throne in our lives. So, love. This is what we're going to talk about today. <clears throat> um, so, a clear picture of the love that we will talk about here is not a love that is um, dictated and born in our emotions. Um, you know, usually when we talk about love, the question is, you know, where, where is the threshold here with love? Where, you know, when we're immature, the only love we know is the love that is being dictated by our emotions. So you love this, you go do it. You love or you like a person and you do things for that person. Um, we love our parents or we love our siblings. It's, it's the natural emotional attraction of love. And when in the basics of life, that is the only love we know. But the love that scripture talks about is born through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's this very love that knows no boundaries. It doesn't stop at family lines. It, it doesn't stop with the people that do us favors or that do us goods, good things. That love is no respecter of person and knows no boundaries. That love cherishes and loves people, especially those of the household of God. I've heard people who claim to be Christians and pride themselves that they don't love or stand, you know, can't stand around a certain believer. Like, that's the way I am. I don't love this brother, or I don't love this sister. I just don't love them. I actually can't stand them. And they pride themselves. They're unique. They're, they're colorful. They're like this, they can make these wonderful choices. They can love this person, but I can't stand this believer. I got news for you. This is not the love of God. This is not how the love of God works. God, love of God does not know any boundaries. This is a carnal love. This is our kind of flesh working in overdrive. Christ, in his passion, did not die for just a few, but for all. 
he did not die just for this guy or this person this one he died for all the only time a statement like that is acceptable is when we remorsefully repent and ask for forgiveness and if these struggles are going on and on in our lives you know the pick and choose type of Christianity the smorgasbord love type then the love of God has not yet taken a hold of our life which is tragic remember there abides faith hope and love and what are the characteristics of that love it is not the smorgasbord love it is not the basic emotional love it is not an infatuated love it is a love that is born out of the Holy Spirit born of God something I've realized in my walk that very love that we talk about here can only be present in our lives and this is very important to realize this love can only be present in our lives if we have personally experienced the love of Christ ourselves we've had to have yet in our lives or we've had to have an encounter with God in order for us to demonstrate that love that love cannot be produced by human effort by whatever we try to do with our flesh it cannot be produced when we come into an encounter with God and experience the love of God and have received and felt the love and the forgiveness we have realized that we're lost and hopeless without his intervention in our lives it's that very experience from the father that births the love of God in us that experience is what births the love of God in us. We have to have yet, we have to have had an encounter in our lives. It's, um, think about it this way the vice versa effect is Christ's coming. It's again a demonstration of love. But through all that, he knows our infirmities. He can identify with us, as the scripture says in Hebrews 4.15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. He understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. This is, if you turn that around, the high priest we have, our Christ, he was in the flesh, he knows how we feel, he knows when we're, when we're down, he knows what we're going through, because he went through the same emotions, the same testings, yet without sin. Likewise, we have to experience the love of God in our lives in order to love others with a Christ-like love. And that is the basis I want to work off of this morning. 
We have to experience that love. Um, we have to, we gotta have a, an encounter. When God abides in our lives, it's because we have accepted, or when love abides in our lives, it's because we accepted the love of God in our lives. All of a sudden, we start seeing people different. All people. Not just the people that love us, or the relatives, or the family members. We even start loving people that hurt us. That what we call our enemies. Remember I said before, the only time we have enemies is, God's people have enemies, is when they repent, remorsefully repent. But things change. The love of God changes. If you want to see the picture of the love of God, look at Christ. Okay, so, but the basic principle that I want to work off of this morning is that we have to experience the love of Christ, the forgiveness of Christ in our lives in order to love. To demonstrate what I'm talking about for our text this morning, let's turn our Bibles to Luke 7. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And we'll read down to 50. Um, if you have the King James verse, it's going to be slightly different. I'm going to use the ESV. But it's basically the same, just uh, sometimes I feel there's a better choice of words here. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. <clears throat> One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Verse 37. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. So this woman was a sinner. Um, Justice action tell us that she has, had been affected by the love of Christ. She knew she, he was there. So, so she bought an alabaster flask of ointment which we know is very expensive. And standing behind him at his feet, so as they were sitting there, reclining at the table, she was standing behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet and wipe, to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, these actions are above and beyond even what we can that we can comprehend right now but what i'm gathering out of this that this woman was in deep trouble in deep despair hurting uh, be, has been hurt sinning and she experienced the love of christ the love of god and this was her reaction so now we have one that is responding to the, to the encounter. In verse 39. And now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. Now just a minute here. Does, has this man been touched by the love of Christ? 
has this man experienced the love of Christ? In verse 40, it says, And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. He responded, Say, say it, teacher. Which, I'm not going to take a sermon out of that, but the way he responded, teacher, not like master or father or something. Not, it was like, you could see he was a Pharisee. He wanted to learn, learn more about this rabbi. And here was this woman coming in that shouldn't be seen in his house. And it was Jesus went on to say in 41, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of him will love him more? Simon answered the one I suppose from whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. And now he goes on, which we usually take that for granted, just laying it out why the woman loved. But imagine now you're Simon, because that Pharisaical response is in most of us. And our flesh wants to respond exactly how that Pharisee did here. Remember, it is the love of Christ that sees the need, that has compassion, and that loves. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, you give me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You give me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. But back in 47, But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Now that's not saying that we are, we are in, the, in the group of people that needs to that there's no need for forgiving much we are all we all have fallen short we all are sinners before god but have we as we heard in the opening have we given up these rights these just surrender to Christ has taken eternity into the picture where the Christ, the love of Christ, the forgiveness of Christ has touched us and moved us and that we've come to realize that without it we'll be utterly lost. 
once we soberly see ourselves and experience the love of Christ, we will get the opportunity, I believe, to demonstrate that love. Of course, it's always directed towards other people without the respecter of person. But, why do I put a but in here? There is one huge obstacle for that love flowing from a believer's life. And that is our flesh. And our self-serving lusts and desires. When our memory is still clear, the forgiveness is fresh. The joy and love flow easily from our lives. But anyone with experience knows that not all instances are easy where we can demonstrate love. It will not be an easy task at all times. And love is one of these emotions that we desire to have. Everyone desires to have love. I'm sure all of us here that are older that have a difference in life, that have experienced life, if I can go back and say, where well, we said, I wish, man, I wish I could love this person better. I wish, I wish I could love these people. I wish, you know. Love is an emotion that we desire to have. When we encounter brothers and sisters or issues, we desire it for it to appear automatically. We desire to have be the first emotion that the other person recognizes. It would be the first emotion to appear. But unfortunately, that's not how it is. This is why Jesus also commanded us to love. If, if love would be just an emotion, we won't have commandments to love one another. We won't have commandments in the Bible that says, love the brethren. Do good unto all men, especially the household of God. So, is love then just a work? Is it just something that we have to fabricate? Where does that love come from? I touched it briefly at the beginning. It is born out of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And when we encounter times and places where the love of God needs to be applied, the grace of God is there to apply love, but it's our flesh that wants to react differently. And if we listen to our flesh time and time again, it produces death. A new commandment I give unto you, said Jesus in John 13, 34, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. This is a new commandment he said to them, that you love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you love if you have love one to another. And I just saying that gives me a picture that this love that we talk about that goes beyond the realms of emotion is unique to the body of Christ. It's unique to a believer. Because Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. And it's not just a demonstration, it's a life. 
Paul has the most clear definition of love in the Bible. Christ has the clearest example, but Paul, I believe, when I sat there and thought about it, in 1 Corinthians 13, has a very clear picture of love. So after speaking or writing and talking about huge spiritual capabilities, but I have no love, he said, I am nothing. He said, and do I have the gift of prophecy? I un and understand all mysteries, all knowledge, and do I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. So think about it. These things we esteem as super spiritual, as super spiritually capable achievements. But if love is not present, he said, I am nothing. Remember I said, without these three, one of the amazing, there's nothing there. Even more in verse 3 he said, which to me is an act of love. I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profit me nothing. I gain nothing. Then he goes on to describe what love is. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Let's stop for a minute here. We've heard the saying or the line, put your name out, put love out and put your name in there, see how we're doing. Can we do that? How would our testimony look? It's patient and kind, does not envy or boast, it's not arrogant, it's not rude, does not ins insist on its own way, irritable or resentful, does not rejoice in wrongdoing, it rejoices in truth, love bears all things, believes all things. How, if we put our name in, and that is not our testimony. How do we react then? Oh, I need to put these things on. I need to be kind now. I need to not envy or boast. I don't need to be arrogant or rude. Yeah, it's a pretty good cultivation here. It's a pretty good character building. But remember, love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So... If we put our name in here, and it's not our testimony, then we need to go back a little bit in our life and say, where, where did I grieve the Holy Spirit in my life? Where did I quench the Holy Spirit in my life that this major attribute of love is lacking? Something is not right. 
Love is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, and like the rest of the fruit, it cannot be fabricated. A fruit cannot be fabricated. It is the result of a situation. It is the result of a work that has gone on before. It's a fruit. So if we put our name in here, and it does not describe our testimony, we, we need to look at, at how we've... we've um, yes, we need to repent. We need to be grievous about it. But we need to look back and say, where have I failed? Where have I failed that what comes out is unkindness, rude, being rude, rejoice at wrongdoings, and all these things. Where have I failed where the Holy Spirit is not on the throne? Love one another is a commandment because through the Holy Spirit we are able to love and esteem each other higher than ourselves. And maybe we're living in a situation where we have not yet fully been able to be obedient to the Word of God and to the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. But eventually, if we choose to just follow our carnal way of thinking, it produces death, according to Romans. <clears throat> the same God that came to this world, rejected by his very own, yet he still came to demonstrate a love that was not known to man. This is that very love. And greater love had no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Can you imagine the love that dictated, that consumed this man, our Lord Jesus Christ? Can we even just for a moment pause and meditate on this very fact? I want to focus on it for just a minute here. Few, not long. So we, here we have our Lord Jesus Christ, the long-awaited, promised Messiah that God gave to, the, to his people, the children of Israel, at any downfall they had, any any valley in their history, he pointed his people to Christ. The day will come when Israel will have redemption, or all kings will come to you for, for healing. And we could go on and on about scripture reverence. And with this long awaited promised Messiah had finally arrived when, when he, God, was born in the flesh, in the womb that he had created. Starting from his early years, there's a waited Messiah. Men, through principalities, sought to kill and destroy him. To his own people of Israel, he was a stumbling block. He was despised and rejected of men. The more he served and sought to save, the more he was rejected. He knew that without what he was doing, most people will be damned to hell. He knew that without him going through it, most people, all people, will face the wrath of God. 
He could have reacted. They rejected him. He could have rejected them. But he was love. And yet through it all, Jesus was obedient unto death with a love that surpasses all human understanding. As he was hanging on the cursed tree, bruised and battered and beaten up, the creator of the universe, he cried, Father, please forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now this is a love that knows no boundaries. Remember, he was in all things tested as we are. He was in the flesh. He was hurt. He was rejected. We all know how we feel when we're rejected. He experienced that same emotion. We all know how we feel when we're wrongly accused of something. He experienced the same emotion. We all know how we feel when we are beaten up Actually, we don't even know that. But think about it. When we're beaten up by authorities, by the, the, the leaders, the religious leaders that time behind them, behind them. And he is there, went through it all, and is hanging on. The Bible says anyone hanging on a tree is cursed. He was hanging on that cursed tree. He was bruised, beaten. And he cried, Father, please forgive them. And Jesus meant every word he said. Please forgive them, for they know not what they do. Can you compare that now with the trials we have? Oh, this brother really thinks different than I do. Or he has misplaced my water bottle. Or he hasn't. He's done this and that. Oh, we, we can't. There's something. We can't work together here. The body of Christ. Has needs to demonstrate that boundless love. And the same love with what he loved us as he was hanging on that tree. He has given us through the Holy Spirit. It's his desire that we choose to obey him and love rather than hate and envy or bitterness. So we've come to realize that the love of God is not just a feeling that spontaneously appears, but it's rather a result of a life of obedience and a weapon of the kingdom of God. Just like faith, hope, we can use love as a measure for our walk. So let's talk about it a little bit in the context of the body, of the church. So we as individual members make up the body or the church of Christ. It's up to each and one of us to examine ourselves if there is any demonstration of the love of Christ flowing through or out of us towards our fellow men or our brothers or sisters or having a love for for people just seeing the need when there's when we encounter people that are in need the result is having a church where the love of Christ is a witness to the world the church is a haven then for hurt 
for a troubled world, right? I think that should be the effect. If we all honestly and earnestly examine ourselves, and we can say, yes, the love of Christ is working in us, that makes up of a whole body, a group of believers, where the love of Christ is working in us, then in the end we can say that the church then is a haven of love for hurting people. Right? If we are not that, then we have to stop again. How are we contributing to that? Is my contribution to the local body of Christ a haven? A church that represents the body of Christ? Or does it bring turmoil? If it's not, then I have to go back and ask, Holy Spirit, where did I wrong you? Where am I letting my personal desires, my, my own desires, override your authority? Is it not a shame then that the church, the Christian church, is full of people that have not yet even experienced the love of Christ? The church being supposed to be in the representation of Christ. The sacrifice is ignored, nor not even accepted. Or even as scripture states, it trembles it underfoot. Think about it. We the church are to represent Christ. We are the representation of Christ. Every one of us here will not be able to say we never knew that. We hear it. We, we talk about it. Jesus said to his disciples, ye are witnesses of these things. The things that they've experienced with Christ. If we have seen or experienced the love of God, we are commended to be witnesses thereof. I pray that we may not be among those that mar the name of God. The statement that Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, is a fully loaded statement that should make us realize that such love is unique only to God's people and to the church of God. And it's not being critical of our brothers and sisters, of how much this brother loves or this sister or this and that, but it's how much the Holy Spirit is moving in my life and how the love of God is flowing through my life. How do I evaluate if the love of God is working in my life? There's two major commandments. The two most important commandments in the word of God. Is love your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And the number two is love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said in Matthew 22 verse 40. On these two commandments hang all the law and the province. And now. Isn't it amazing that the two greatest commandments rely totally on love? That's something to ponder and think about for a long time. The two greatest commandments rely totally on love. And in a nutshell, it's living a sacrificial life for God and living a sacrificial life for our neighbor. It's a lot to ponder. And we sometimes 
take spiritual things and we try to achieve this spiritual goal and this spiritual goal here and do this spiritual thing and do this great work. Remember Paul said these things don't mean nothing if I don't have love. But in a nutshell, these two commandments, it's living a sacrificial life for God, be separate, be a people that represents God, and living a sacrificial life for our neighbor. <clears throat> Having said that, in, uh, in closing here, the greatest demonstration of love was Jesus. Paul writes in Philippians, Chapter 2, verse 5, Let his mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, taught it not robbery to be equal with God. Being God or being equal with God did not hold Jesus back. The king or a man or prince of this stature and desert will never go to this level. Jesus was God, but it did not hold him back. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It is all regulated by love, all that is done here. God is love. Before that, he said in verse 4, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others also on the things of others so once we've come to the understanding that verses like these are not just wishful thinking that maybe we should try to be but they need to be a reality in a believer's life and we are striving to be for them to be coming real in our own life then we know that the love of god is taking a hold of us the striving of the reality of these war verses in our own life if we strive and they're not just wishful thinking then we know that the love of God is taking a hold of us Peter Riddleman wrote this about it <clears throat> love is like fire when it is first kindled in a man small troubles and temptations smother and hinder it but when it really burns having kindled a man's eagerness for God the more temptations and tribulations meet it the more it flares until it overcomes and consumes all injustice and wickedness. But when love is not practiced, when we're not obedient to God, when love is not practiced, when the man grows lazy and careless, it flickers out again. The man's heart grows cold, faith declines, and all good work ceases. Then the man stands like a withered tree fit for the fire. As Jesus himself says, love flows from faith. For where there is no faith, there cannot be love. And when there is no love, there cannot be faith. The two are so entwined that one cannot be pleasing to God without the other. That, that was very good. By Peter Riedemann, in love is a consuming fire. So, in conclusion... So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. If either one of them is weak or diminishing, then I'm neglecting Christ. I might think I serve him, 
in ideology, but I could totally miss him. All three present are the evidence of having a healthy relationship with Christ and walking and following Christ. So, God is a consuming fire. In Hebrews, in Deuteronomy, it says that God is a consuming fire. And we know that God is love. And when we serve Christ, and we say we serve Christ, and there is no love, the characteristics of love in 1 Corinthians 13 are not radiating, are not the character of our are not the character of, character of our lives. We have to be honest with ourselves and say, in saying there's something wrong with my relationship. There's something wrong with my walk. I might be even living in sin. What is holding that back? What is going on? It's the same way I usually say, we cannot stay the same when we say we follow Christ. We have invited Christ into our life, the Holy Spirit. We cannot stay the same after that. Once the Creator God, the consumer, consuming fire, who is a consuming fire, has entered into our life, and to stay the same. It's like a fire. We are in a refiner's fire. And he changes us, he molds us, he shapes us into the very image of Christ. So, amen. <laughs>